Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Game day on Gamecock Central Radio. Glad to have you along for the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell with special segments from Chris Clark, Colin Taylor, and Chris Lee from BandySports.com. Wes, good to have you today, man. What's going on with you? Yeah, man, excited. Um, you know, it feels like uh, a while since we've done one of these now. It's a bye week. Um, <laughs> bye weeks always go by kind of slow, I think. But uh, glad to have football back as far as South Carolina goes and I'm um, interested to see how this game goes today. Yeah, 4 o'clock kickoff for the Gamecocks and the Commodores. Wes, we've got quite a contrast between the two teams coming into this game today. Vandy's lost four straight. They've given up almost 200 points in their last four ball games, about 50 points a game. And 2,296 yards allowed for Vandy in their last four games, albeit against some very good teams, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Ole Miss the four Vanderbilt losses. So they're 0-4 in conference play, 3-4 and overall. And for the Gamecocks, you know, Colin Taylor wrote a piece that's on GamecockCentral.com this week about the Gamecocks' growing confidence. South Carolina feels like it can win every time it takes the field now. And when we spoke with Chris Lee earlier this week on the GCR podcast for the Vandy preview, you know, he said that uh, confidence is a real problem for Vanderbilt right now. So from that perspective, Wes, it seems like these two teams are really at opposite ends of the spectrum right now. Yeah, they are right now, at least on paper. You know, this is a Vanderbilt team that, to me, does not fit the M.O. of what we're used to seeing from Vanderbilt. You know, I think even with South Carolina's, uh, I guess, eight-game win streak now against Vanderbilt, um, you know, that most of those games, or at least a lot of those games, have been close. They've been uh, closely contested, for for the most part at least. And, uh, you know, what do you think of with Vanderbilt? Do you think they're always going to play really good uh, fundamental defense? Um, you know, they're not always going to be the most talented team, but it seems like they always have a couple of playmakers on that defense and then a bunch of guys that rally around them. And, uh then, you know, ever, ever since they've had Ralph Webb, who I, I think has been there for about 14 years now, it seems like, um, they, they always have a 1,000-yard rusher in, in him. You know, this is a kid that came in, has made an impact on their team from the very beginning as a true freshman. So, you know, I, I think of Vanderbilt being a program that stops the run, runs the football, uh, will try to out-tough you and will, will sort of uh, shorten the game and, and make you work for it. But now, most of the time, you know, the better teams end up beating them, but you always circle that Vanderbilt game as being one that you have to have to fight to win. Now, this Vanderbilt team, at least the last few weeks, like you said, they, they've played some good teams, they've played some good offenses, so I, I don't know how much we make of it, but this just does not feel like Vanderbilt football. They're towards the bottom of the league in both stopping the run and running the football, even with a legitimate top of the SEC back in Ralph Webb. So I, I'm very curious to see if they can bounce back. Obviously, you know, we've talked about South Carolina having their bye week, but uh, Vanderbilt had theirs as well this past week. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be trying to uh, figure out some things. They'll be trying to cut some things out of the playbook and add some things as well. So, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting game, and we'll see. Uh, I'm focused on those two things right there. If if it continues like that for Vanderbilt, not able to stop the run, not able to run the football, then it's going to be a good day for the Gamecocks. But um, if we see them re- revert back and, and have some success in those areas, then um, it's going to be a very, very close game. Homecoming for the Gamecocks today, 4 o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. Wes, what do you make of Vanderbilt? They started the year 3-0, and and in their third game of the season, they beat uh, Kansas State. You know, that was a quality win for Vanderbilt, and they led the nation in scoring defense through three games. And it looked like, you know, they were on their way to a very solid season. But when they got into the teeth of their schedule, Wes, they've really struggled in the last four weeks, and they, they can't, uh, you know, they, they just have really had a hard time dealing with their SEC schedule to this point. Ralph Webb ran for 163 yards last time out in that loss to Ole Miss. 
but they got pushed around up front by Ole Miss. So Vandy's really struggling right now. Yeah, they, they've struggled up front on both sides. Um, you know, I, I do think they have a good quarterback in, in Kyle Shermer. Um, you know, a little bit streaky at times. I, uh, you know, I was looking back at some of the other games they've played in and, um, you know, in the Florida game, you know, they went to Florida and actually had some success on offense against Florida, but couldn't stop Florida, even though the Gators don't really have a, a very good offense as, as we've seen. But, uh, Greg McElroy was talking a bit about Kyle Shermer and how, um, the kid really has, uh, struggled a little bit early in games. He's one of those guys that kind of has to find a rhythm first, but uh, once he finds a rhythm, and, and this was the case in, in that Florida game, he really can make some elite passes. Uh, you know, To me, uh, th- this is one of the better quarterbacks that they've had in that time period, um, shooting all the way back from, I, I guess, since Jay Cutler left. Uh, this is one of their better, uh, just physically talented quarterbacks. As a former four-star guy, he's a uh, you know, got a football background. His dad is the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, Pat Shermer. So, uh, you know, this Vanderbilt team does have some talent. Uh, like you said, they've struggled up front a bit. Um, you know, I, I think they're middle of the pack in protecting their quarterback. As far as sacks allowed in, in the conference, but um, at the very, very bottom, as far as running the football, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, they, they've um, they've gotten pressure on quarterbacks at times but also at, at other times um have, have really been gashed in the running game but uh, you know I, I think we all respect Derek Mason as a coach certainly as a defensive coach as uh, you hear other coaches talk about him and there's a ton of respect for his ability to scheme up a defense so um obviously there's a little bit of a disconnect there right now as far as what, what's going on in that Vanderbilt defense. So Vanderbilt seeking its first SEC win of the year today in Columbia. The Gamecocks obviously looking to add to their winning streak. They can make it three in a row with a win today. Carolina playing very well in wins over Arkansas and Tennessee before the bye week. So, Wes, you know, I, I was looking back on the Gamecocks' schedule during the bye week, and the Kentucky game was a real deflating loss, obviously. We've talked about that ad nauseum here on Gamecock Central Radio. But since that uh, Kentucky game, you know, the Gamecocks have been in position to win every game that they played since that time. They did have the second-half lead against Texas A&M that they lost, and uh, A&M won by seven that night. But, uh, you know, the Gamecocks have come back strong, whipping Arkansas and uh, picking up, you know, what was uh, a good road win against the Tennessee team that's really struggled this year. But winning in Knoxville is winning in Knoxville. I know this Tennessee team is not very good this year, but that's a it's been a house of horrors for the Gamecocks, Neyland Stadium, let's face it. So to go there and win, particularly with the hometown clock operator there at the end and some of the things that didn't go to Gamecocks' way, rallying from a halftime deficit, you know, uh, just a real positive for the Gamecocks. So Carolina's got a lot of momentum coming in, and the Gamecocks playing at home today with a chance to get to six wins. Wes, when Debo Samuel went down, and then you add injuries to Rico Dowdle and Casey Crosby and the loss of Bryson Allen Williams, and, you know, we could go on and on about injuries. Uh, I would not have thought that the Gamecocks would get to 6-2 and two without all these key players. So I think the job that Will Muschamp and this staff have done deserves a lot more credit maybe than it's getting so far. I know we got a lot of season left, and who knows you know, how things turn out from here because the schedule does get tougher down the stretch. But I would not have guessed that the Gamecocks would be 6-2 and two, or at least have a chance to go 6-2. and two. They're not 6-2 and two yet. But you know, to, to be in this position, Wes, is a really good sign for Gamecock football, i got to believe, and it says a lot about the job Will Muschamp's doing. You know, I think it's a big sign of progress. That's a word we talk about a lot, and you know, like you said, I think the big key right now is for South Carolina not to sort of look past this Vanderbilt team to some of the, let's face it, more exciting matchups down the road. Uh, you got a, a, a trip to Athens next week that I, I think the fan base is already kind of excited about and looking forward to seeing just how far this team has come. But, um, you know, you can <laughs> – we all know how this fan base felt after that Kentucky loss, so – uh, you know, it's not like South Carolina just has to show up this afternoon and they're, they're going to get to six wins. So I, I think that's a big key for this game is just to treat Vanderbilt like they are. This is a team that um, will come up and beat you. This is a team that South Carolina barely snuck a win out from to open up the year last year. And, and like we talked about in the Open, very, you know, a, a team that's played South Carolina very close. So I, I think certainly that that's a big key this week is to just not uh, get ahead of themselves. But I I really really like the mindset that Will Muschamp has taken um, 
to those injuries. I, I think one phrase you kept hearing him say is that uh, nobody's going to feel sorry for us. Is uh, you know he he doesn't dwell on injuries. I, I think in some ways, if you have that built-in excuse um, from a mental standpoint, you almost sort of let yourself say, "Well, I, you know, if we lost, that's why." Um, and, and Muschamp does not play that game. Uh, he he said, you know, he's walked that line between, of course. He feels bad for Debo. Of course he feels bad for Bryce Allen Williams and Casey Crosby and Rico Daddle. You feel bad about those guys because you know how hard they work. You feel bad about them individually because they're not getting to go play. But um, from a team standpoint, Muschamp has said, nope, nobody's going to feel sorry for the Gamecocks. So uh, it, it's not an excuse. And I, I think we've made it pretty clear here on the show that South Carolina misses those guys a lot. But the fact they don't use it as an excuse, I, I think, speaks to the mindset, the next man up sort of thought process of this program. And, and to their credit, other guys have stepped up. I uh, you know, I, I made the point, who who would have thought preseason that going into this, or, or that South Carolina would go into Knoxville and on key drives of the game, Emerson, um, you have Mond Denson uh, running hard and getting key first downs. Jacob August, a key part of both catching passes on a third down and was a huge part of the blocking game against Tennessee because a lot of times on those pass plays, if you watch, they kept the tight end in as an extra protector, and a lot of times it was number 40, Jacob August. Kiel Pollard makes his very first catch of the season um, on a key third-down conversion in the game uh, on a pass that was high that he had to go get. Um, Let's look at uh, Antoine Wilder, who comes in, really doesn't get to play a whole lot, but had a key tackle for loss, um, sack on a third down on that drive right after South Carolina um, basically had uh, maybe the worst luck in the world when Taylor Stallworth, it looked like they got a stop, but he got a 15-yard penalty because his helmet came off and he kept playing. And then Parker White, who has been pretty much, uh, I don't know the wording, but uh, you know it's been a tough year for, for Parker White and the expectations his fan base has put on him, and I think even you know even myself, I, I wonder why does Muschamp keep trotting this kid out there from 47, 48, 49 yards, and come to find out maybe Will Muschamp knows a little bit more than all of us that <laughs> his thought process was you're going to need that kid to hit kicks from that distance, so especially early in games. Yeah, you might miss out on some opportunities along the way, but if he can hit a few of those and get his confidence going, then then maybe you win a game because Parker White knocks one through from that distance. And, you know, we saw Parker White make three big kicks against Tennessee. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my point being in, in that long diatribe is that you have a ton of guys that nobody outside of Columbia um, even would have known about prior to this year for the most part making plays for you in Knoxville. So I think, A, that speaks to the mindset of this program, and B, I think that that to me is also why it was such an impressive win in Tennessee because, yeah, they're not a great team, but that team's still very talented. They have athletes across the board. South Carolina found a way to win. And, man, how when, when you look at the defenses that South Carolina had before Muschamp got here, uh, and nothing against the kids that play really hard on those teams. But there's no way that those teams would have stopped Tennessee late in that game, time after time after time. I mean, it felt like Tennessee got 10 shots at the end zone, and South Carolina refused to let them score at the end. So, um, you know, I know this today is about Vanderbilt, but for South Carolina to get to 5-2, and two, uh, they've had guys that nobody really was counting on find a way to step up and, and make plays. And I, I think that's the most impressive part about this 5-2 and two start. Yeah, Gamecocks really on the uptick after the wins over Arkansas and Tennessee. And now the bye week has given everyone a chance to sort of take a collective breath and gather ourselves for the final five games of the season. Big game today against Vanderbilt. The Gamecocks have won eight straight against Vandy. Carolina leads the overall series with the Commodores 22-4. to four. And South Carolina 5-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in the SEC. And Wes... You know, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but you know there there is the fact that the Gamecocks still have a chance in the SEC East. You certainly wouldn't have thought that would be the case after the Kentucky game 
weeks ago, but uh, that's where we are, Wes, and if the Gamecocks can take care of business at home today against Vanderbilt, they're going to head to Athens next week with a really huge ball game lined up against Georgia next Saturday. Yeah, and I think that that's the key for South Carolina to uh, just focus on today. You know, I, I think not only is Will Muschamp not talking about the East, Will Muschamp's not even talking about the fact that this team is going to be bowl eligible with a win today. So I, I think that, to me, sort of struck me, Emerson, as a sign of the progress of this program right now. In that last year, pretty much all we talked about uh, was sort of counting possible wins to get to six. Uh, you know, I, I remember when South Carolina knocked off Tennessee, and basically we all said, okay, that's the surprise win that puts South Carolina in a position to, you know, to get to ball eligibility. This year, um, it almost like bowl eligibility is a little bit of an afterthought, even though, you know, you come into this season, the, the Vegas odds had South Carolina season at five wins over under, you know. So I, I think you look at that and you say the fact that they're already at five wins through seven uh, puts them in a position, like you said, uh, if they get through Vanderbilt today, then uh, who, who knows what can happen. Now, that you know, they're going to go into that Georgia game. Uh, they'll probably be double-digit underdogs, I would think, in Athens, but uh, you know, this is a Georgia team that's had to play what one full, you know, four quarter football game uh, at Notre Dame. For the most part, they've they've pretty much taken care of everybody they've played. They've been able to run the football and not have to throw it much. Uh, I, I think looking ahead to that game for a second, you know, if South Carolina can can make Georgia work for it and, and get into a fourth quarter game with those guys. Uh, it kind of puts that Georgia team in a position they haven't been in very often this year. So. Uh, who who knows what can happen if they get to that point? But uh, first first things first, South Carolina's going to handle t- uh, Vanderbilt today. Yeah, that's right. Georgia's got Florida in the cocktail party today, and a bit of a war of words between the two teams going into that game. Very interesting, considering what's been going on in Florida here with the comments from Jim McElwain about the death threats, and then the school coming out a day or two later saying that. Uh, uh, you know, that uh, McIlwain didn't provide them with any additional information. So uh, a real dust-up in Florida regarding McIlwain and uh, a lot of interesting storylines for Georgia and Florida today in Jacksonville. Georgia's 4-0 in the league, 7-0 and overall, and the Gamecocks right now tied for second in the SEC East at 3-2, and uh, tied with Florida, in fact. So, you know, the Gamecocks still have Georgia and Florida left on the schedule, so the Gamecocks could still make some noise in the SEC East, and that's, uh, that's a hell of a thing, Wes considering all the injuries that this team has had this year for Carolina to be able to hold it together the way they have and and get better as the season has gone on. I'm just very impressed with that. Don't know how things are going to go over the last five weeks, but I tell you what, my hat is off to Will Muschamp and the staff and all the players on this team for, you know, keeping it together in what could have been a very difficult year. So Vanderbilt is the focus today, Wes. And this is the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell. We're going to hear from Chris Clark and also from our staff writer, Colin Taylor. And we've got uh, a segment from Chris Lee, the publisher of VandySports.com, coming up later in today's podcast. And we're going to take a phone call on the Gamecock Central hotline. That number again, 803-497-9058. If you want to get involved with the Gamecock Central podcast, 497-9058. You can call that number. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, with a question about Gamecock football or about an upcoming opponent, and we'll play a recording of your voice on an upcoming game day edition of Gamecock Central Radio, and Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell will answer your question during the podcast. So, Wes, let's talk about the Gamecocks a little bit further here, and before we uh, take a closer look at today's game against Vanderbilt, Wes, the Gamecocks are hoping to get both Debo Samuel and Rico Dowdle back for the bowl game. Is that correct? Yeah, and uh, potentially Casey Crosby as well. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think um, those guys, if if their rehabs go well, they'll be in position to get back uh, for the bowl game. And uh, to tell you the truth, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Gamecocks get Debo Samuel back before that. You know, uh, there's a situation where Will Muschamp has really not uh, talked about it a whole lot. He's not uh, wanted to really put a timetable on it. But, uh, you know, Debo Samuel has worked extremely hard in his rehab. Um, he's been a, a man possessed. He wants to get back and find a way to get back as soon as possible. So um, I've, I've written it in um, my Carolina Confidential feature uh, that comes out a couple times each week uh, that's brought to you by uh, Brent Herring Insurance Services. But I, I've said, you know, I, I would not be shocked at all if Debo Samuel finds his way back onto this field uh, possibly way earlier than anybody thinks uh, just because um, 
that the kid has worked so hard in his rehab and, and really seems to be on track for a return at some point during the regular season, potentially. All right, Wes, you know, Debo obviously has been out longer than Rico and, and Casey. So, you know, my first thought when I heard that uh, both or possibly all three could be back for the bowl game, my first thought was I wonder if there's any chance that Debo could return for the Clemson game. What do you think about that, Wes? Yeah, I mean, I mean like I said, I, I think that there's a uh, a real chance that, uh, that Debo could be back possibly way earlier than anybody thinks. You know, I, I think um, – there's still a lot of season to be played. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think Debo's, Debo's not going to run out there today against Vanderbilt or, or next week in Athens, but I, I think any point after that uh, could be fair game for a possible return of Debo Samuel because uh, the rehab has gone very, very well. Now it comes down to that sort of final decision of is the kid 100%? Uh, Much campus said he doesn't want to put him out there if he's, you know, even 92%, you know, you want, you want it to be 100% because he does have a future to protect. Um, and Muschamp keeps saying he wants for Debo to be able to protect himself because when you're playing injured, um, it, it sometimes can lead to other injuries because you're not able to protect yourself. So, um, you know, I, I think as far as Debo goes, the, uh, the next few weeks, uh, that's something we'll be monitoring closely because I, I for one, think unless there's a setback that, um, you know, there, there could be a, a surprise return for Mr. Sanders. Wes, what a boost that would be for the morale of the Gamecock football team and particularly for the fan base, you know, to get Debo back and Rico Dowdle and Casey Crosby too, if they come back for the bowl game, you know, all three obviously would be huge. But to me, Debo was the driving force of this team, obviously, until he got hurt in the Kentucky game. And I just think it would do wonders for the spirits of the program to get Debo back, even if he's not as productive as he was uh, at the start of the year, just to have him back in uniform and have him on the sideline, have him on the field, would do a lot for confidence and morale. Well, he does, he does so much for this offense, too. I mean, you look at kickoff return game, you look at, um, obviously, as a pure receiver, but then I think you look at what he does for the running game, too, man. As much as South Carolina uses that sort of jet sweep action in their running game and their inside zone. You look at that stuff and the fact that the just the threat of having number one sort of come across your linebackers and you have to worry about them handing to him, all that supports hand-in-hand. Hand. And uh, this kid, I, I'm, I mean, I'm convinced that you could line Debo Samuel up in the backfield and he'd be one of the SEC's best running backs. So um, he, he can do it all. Um, you know, I, I think as much as fans and rightfully so want more out of the offense from a productive standpoint, uh, you look across the board. Yeah, and, and it's nothing against the guys they have. South John does have some good players on offense, but none of them are at the elite level right now in their careers as Debo Samuel is. So I, I think certainly we've seen what South John has missed with him, and, and it would be a huge boost. Just even even the threat of Debo Samuel gives South Carolina a boost offensively. Then you have the fact of Debo Samuel can make a big play at any moment. And a lot of times in these close football games, and South Carolina's probably going to be in some, a lot of times in these close football games, it's the, the team, obviously, that, that either forces turnovers or doesn't turn it over. But then also it's a team that can make more explosive plays and can make game-changing plays. And when you have a guy like Debo Samuel, he becomes probably the best game-changer on the field in a lot of games that South Carolina will play. Wes, with the injury to Rico Dowdle, Mon Denson will be the Gamecocks' third running back today. You mentioned earlier that he had some you know, good short yardage runs and that went over Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. And Denson's a great story to me, Wes, redshirt sophomore from LaGrange, Georgia. He's bided his time, and now he's getting an opportunity for the Gamecocks. Yeah, I think a bit of a forgotten guy at, at points and everything. You know, I, I think most people maybe thought that, that there was a chance Mon might, might not ever play, but – um, you know, he admitted he's been frustrated at times, as you would expect, uh, but he sort of changed his attitude a bit. He, he saw an opportunity to get in there prior to this past season, has worked very hard, reshaped his body a bit. And you know what? This kid's a hard runner. We've seen South Carolina struggle on short yardage situations at times this year. Uh, we'll have more on that a bit in our, um, in our hotline later on, but. Uh, you know, South Carolina struggle in those situations. I think Mon Benson could potentially give them a little bit of a boost in those spots. You know, he uh, he's not the tallest kid, but he's very very thick. He's powerful. He runs behind his pat behind his pads, and um, you know, I, I thought he ran very hard against Tennessee. 
He's going to be fresh. Uh, you know, I asked Mon Denson about that in media availability this week. He didn't make much out of that, but um, even if he doesn't, I still think there's something to be said for the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of backs in this league and a lot of defenses in this league, um, you know, you can start to get worn down, whereas Mon Denson and even A.J. Turner to an extent are still going to have very fresh legs for South Carolina to get the football to them. So I- I'm curious to see, you know, these red zone issues South Carolina has had, uh, these short yardage situations that they've struggled at times with. Uh, Mont Denson might be an option there. Hmm. Denson had four carries for 14 yards in the win over Tennessee, and he will be the third back today behind Tyson Williams and A.J. Turner. Turner looked great uh, on that sweep for the touchdown against Tennessee, and I really love what A.J. Turner has done this year. You know, he's kind of been – I wouldn't say lost in the shuffle because he's still been very productive this year, but he's kind of taken a back seat at times to both Rico Dowdle and Tyson Williams. So Turner has been solid as a rock for the Gamecocks this year. Williams has been good as well. And uh, Denson, Wes, you know, I, I heard an interview with him earlier this week, and he was saying that uh, – you know, he had to learn the playbook, and he had to get in game shape, you know, when he first came to South Carolina. So now third year in the program, he has uh, gotten himself ready to contribute. And you got to believe he's very excited about the opportunity. So I, I don't know, you know, what kind of a role Denson will have today, but we figure he will be on the field. He'll probably get some touches today. And nice to have a good, uh, solid third back behind Turner and Williams with the injury to Rico Dowdle. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, he ran the football four times uh, last week. I, I would think probably in that same range, maybe – four or five, uh, maybe even up to eight, nine, ten carries, something like that, just depending on how the game goes. You know, I think that this is a situation where um, a lot of times how the game plays out dictates how much, uh, you know, how many runs you're going to get, how many throws are going to be in the game, how the uh, sort of uh, rotation is going to play out. So all those things are hard to tell. But, uh, you know, we, we talked in the open, man, about how, Vanderbilt has struggled to stop the run. You know, you look at what South Carolina's done offensively against Arkansas, offensively against Tennessee, particularly in the second half. South Carolina has found a bit of their running game. So I think that's something South Carolina struggled with at times earlier in the year. But if South Carolina's able to continue to run the football, then it's kind of one of those things where it's almost a snowball effect. If, if they're able to run the football successfully, then that means more carries. More carries means more rotation. So more rotation is going to mean more shots for, for guys like Mont Denson who have not played. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that's a situation for South Carolina. You get running downhill against this Vanderbilt team, then, um, you know, maybe these backs can have a, a pretty big day across the board. And uh, and then that, that's when everybody gets, gets really, really happy. And, uh, you know, I, I think you even have to start looking now because you can never have enough backs. Um, if something else were to happen, then that actually – introduces Caleb Kinlaw into the conversation, who, you know, really wasn't on pace to, to play much this year. But uh, with Mon Denson moving up from four to three, that puts Caleb Kinlaw now, the former Goose Creek, standout as South Carolina's fourth back. Outstanding. Wes, the Gamecocks looking at Vanderbilt here. The Vandy defense has been terrible. It's just been awful the last four games. So what do you think the game plan for South Carolina will be today the Gamecocks have got to be feeling like, you know, with their improved offensive line play the last couple of weeks and the fact that the Gamecocks are getting healthier up front, Zach Bailey, Corey Helms, and Malik Young all back in practice this week and should be ready to go today. So what's the Gamecock game plan against Vandy? Will they be able to push Vandy around the way the last four Vanderbilt opponents have done? Yeah, you know, I think we'll know pretty early on. Obviously, I'm sure that's been a focus for Vanderbilt there thereby. We just try to find some way. To I don't know if it's simplify or to change some things up front to do something to sort of um, slow down an opponent's running game. I, I think looking, you know, watching at some of these games, uh, it, it looked Vanderbilt's run defense to me looked a lot of times like South Carolina's did last year when they really struggled to stop the run. Uh, guys get bounced out of their gaps, which uh, the, the interesting thing about that stuff, man, is it, all it takes is you know, one or two guys to sort of get into the wrong spot or to get knocked out of their position. And uh, then, uh, you know, uh, there's a big gaping hole for an opponent. So uh, Vanderbilt's really struggled with that. I-, I think if South Carolina can have success doing that, now you still have to have balance, obviously, but if they can have success doing that, then you'll see them sort of try to lean on that and lean on their fresh backs and, and-, and try to run the football and try to get out of there without – um you know, without having to do too much because 
you know, you look at this South Carolina offense, man, as, as much as they have struggled to put up a bunch of points at times, um, the other side of that, man, is that this team really has not turned the football over. So uh, they've tried not to put their defense in bad spots. So if they can successfully run the football and sort of just pound away at Vanderbilt and keep South Carolina's defense fresh, then, then that's what I think they would do. Um you know, the other side of that is that Vanderbilt has really not turned the football over either. Right. Now, South Carolina has been able to force turnovers. That's sort of been the difference. Vanderbilt has not. If you look the last two years, South Carolina's been in the top two in the conference in uh, turnover margin and in forced turnovers. That's not a coincidence. Hmm. That's a mindset. That's a philosophy. That's a focus in practice. So uh, I think you look at those things. South Carolina, has been able, when they've been able to put away teams, it's been because they've been able to force turnovers. So uh, even as bad as Vanderbilt has been the last few weeks, they, they don't turn the football over a bunch. So I, I think that's kind of one of those things that could swing one way or the other. If the turnovers are even, then I think Vanderbilt keeps this game way closer than anybody thinks. Now, if South Carolina can continue to force turnovers, then I, I think it, it ends up being something where South Carolina can put them away, just run the football, and uh, and it ends up being a you know a, a fairly uh, you know not quite worrisome day at the park for for Gamecock fans out there on homecoming. So, All right. I, so we'll see. All right, the Gamecocks rallied from ten down at halftime to beat Vandy thirteen to ten last year in the season opener. That was Will Muschamp's first game as the Gamecocks head coach. And strange year this year for Vanderbilt. They have. Uh, not turned the football over like Wes said, and they have not had any injuries. They are as healthy as they've ever been at this point in the season, according to Chris Lee from VandySports.com. They've just been whipped up front, and they have been absolutely dominated by the four uh, SEC opponents that they have faced this year. They'll try to buck that trend today in Columbia for a 4 o'clock kickoff. The game will be on the SEC Network, and this is Gamecock Central's Game Day podcast. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell here. We're going to hear from Chris Clark, Colin Taylor, and Chris Lee from VandySports.com coming up in just a moment, and we'll hear from you on the Gamecock Central Hotline. Wes, talk about the Gamecock defense. You know, I look back on the summer, and I think about how much time we spent this summer talking about the Gamecocks' need for improvement on defense. Pass rush needed to improve. Uh, Defensive line play had to improve to help in the running game. Uh, you know, with, with the return of Sky Moore this year, we felt like the Gamecock linebacker core was going to be in good shape. I don't know that anybody knew how good T.J. Brunson would be, one of the top tacklers in the Southeastern Conference. And uh, Rashad Fenton's been outstanding on the back end of the Gamecock defense. Chris LeMond has had another good year. So, you know, the defense has been good in the red zone. That was a trend we saw last year. They, they've, they've kept that going this year. They've produced more turnovers this year. Wes, something you talked about just a moment ago. Alabama leads the SEC in turnover margin at plus 10. But right now, the Gamecocks are second in the league in that category, plus 7 in turnover margin. And that's had a lot to do with South Carolina's success this year. Wes, the Gamecock defense vastly improved from a year ago. Yeah, I think it all starts up front with the defensive line play. Uh, You know, like I said earlier, South Carolina uh, gets out of gaps a lot. If you look back last year, um, you know, just sort of gets knocked around and um, uh, sort of has just really struggled, I think, to play within the defense in the running department last year. Then you look at the difference to this year, um, a lot of times with the same players. Um, just, I, I think, in the off season with Jeff Dillman in that strength program, just a, an entire offense to completely learn the defense and sort of learn what's expected of them on a play-to-play basis and just more uh, comfortable within the scheme, I, I think, is a lot of you know, what you can um, put that on. But uh, when you stop the run, it, it helps you in so many other areas. And I, I think the return of Sky Moore has certainly helped. The uh, progress of T.J. Brunson has helped. But, uh, you know, while you look at Dante Sawyer, what he's been able to do, Keir Thomas, Taylor Stallworth, D.J. Wanham, of course, both against the run and the pass, uh, these guys have played pretty well. Javon Kinlaw has played well in spurts. Kobe Smith has done some good things. You look at that, and you look at a secondary that I, I think is not um, elite by any means as a whole, but those guys play very well together. They give up very few busts over the top. They keep everything in front of them. You know, even Jamarcus King, who I, I think gets hated on a bit by the fan base, I think has had a pretty solid year because, man, those cornerbacks got it rough out there. Anytime you make a mistake and you're a cornerback, everybody remembers the ball is completed on you. 
and they don't remember the other however many times when the ball didn't go to your man because you had great coverage. Um, you know, sometimes if you're a cornerback, you get a ball completed on you in front of you because you're dropping back into cover three or cover four, and they throw underneath you, and you've done exactly what you were supposed to do based on that defense. But, uh, you know, Johnny Johnson in the stands still yells that you suck because uh, a guy completed a ball in front of you. So, uh, you know, I, I think that this defense is not – they're not on that elite plane that I, I think we saw Muschamp build at Florida, but they just play so well together. They know their assignments. They know where they're supposed to be. And they're, they're taught turnovers every single day. And, you know, a lot of these statistical guys, these analytics sort of say that turnovers can be more random. They're hard to predict. But when you look at the stats and the number of turnovers that South Carolina produced last year, the number of turnovers they produced this year, again, top two in the conference and turnovers produced and in turnover margin, to me, there, there's no way that's a coincidence. That's the fact that those things are repped over and over in practice and it pays off. So I think it's a mindset, it's a philosophy, and you see this defense taking on the mindset of, of their coaches and T-Rob and, and Muschamp. And it, it's no coincidence that South Carolina's good in, in, in red zone situations either it's because they rep that stuff over and over and over again. Beautiful day for football here in Columbia. 77 degrees will be the expected temperature come kickoff today for South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Let's take a look at the SEC slate here. Arkansas is at Ole Miss in a noon kickoff today. We've got Georgia and Florida in the cocktail party. 3.30 kick there. Wes, I want to talk with you about this game in just a moment. Uh, briefly, Missouri is at UConn, 6.30 tonight. Mississippi State at Texas A&M at 7.15. And then at 7.30 tonight, Tennessee is at Kentucky. So, Wes, I don't know how closely you followed this uh, Georgia-Florida situation this week, but one of the Florida players came out and said Georgia might be number three team in the country, but they can't beat Florida. Georgia's a 14-point favorite in this ball game. Uh, you know, I, the McIlwain situation, very bizarre, you know, sublime, I would say. And uh, it seems like there's a rift between McIlwain and the administration at Florida and there's been speculation that McIlwain could be on his way out depending on how things go the rest of the year. Strange considering that Florida's won the last two SEC East championships. What do you make of all that mess down there in Gainesville, Wes? Yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head with your verbiage there. Mess is what I think. Um, you know, it's an absolute mess. It is a situation where, uh, you know, the expectations at Florida are just so extreme and – not only do you need to win, you need to win and you need to put up offensive points. Florida fans want to be entertained. And I, I think, you know, McElwain, that, that one clip that I'm sure he wishes he had never said now uh, about how he could, you know, he could produce uh, with his dog at quarterback. Um, I mean, that thing gets thrown in his face all the time because they have not been good offensively. Uh, you know, everyone hates on what Kurt Roper has done and hates on what he did his one year in Florida, but his um, offensive numbers are, are way better um, than his one year at Florida than what Florida's done since. So, I, you know, I, I think that it's just as much about being a fit if you're a coach at a school as it is about anything else. And I just don't know that McElwain's a fit. You look at this is already a game, man, where they're double-digit underdogs, two touchdown underdogs. And now you have all this just BS about, um, you know, there were supposed death threats, but then McElwain doesn't give his superiors the details, which is, I mean, I mean, if these are real death threats, doesn't doesn't some authority need to know what you know, like the details? Um, then you have you have sort of a lack of control, I think, in your guys. You want your guys to be confident, but. Um, the last thing you want to be doing is spouting off in the media about how confident you are about this game um, when you're probably going to get your tail kicked. So, you know, I, I think it's a bad look. And like I've said before, man, those, those SEC East crowns look okay. But, hey, at the same time, what, what if McIlwain loses to Georgia, which I think will happen, loses to Will Muschamp at South Carolina, you know, the guy that they fired to, to get him, and then loses to Florida State. Those are three losses to end the year that Florida fans are not going to take too kindly to. So, I don't know, man. I, I would have never thought three years in that Florida would uh, would 
you know, get rid of the guy or something will happen. But if it plays out like that, along with all this other stuff, plus all the issues you've had with players getting in trouble, um, I'm at the point now where I'm saying it wouldn't shock me. They've been shorthanded all year because of this legal situation with the credit card deal, so we'll save that for another a podcast, but uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on down there in Florida. Not much of it good right now. They're three and three. And Wes, if they lose to Georgia, South Carolina, and FSU, like you said, uh, that puts them at six losses, and that will not sit well with the Florida Gator faithful. So, Emerson, they also aren't going to make up that game. I don't think are they? They got rained out. So, oh, that's right. I, yeah, I, I think they. I think that would put them at five and six, which then would. Uh, have them sitting home for the holiday season. That's right. That's exactly right. And that, so uh, yeah. it would get ugly fast, man. <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. And there's been talk, you know, really throughout the McIlwain tenure in Florida that he's been winning with Muschamp's players, and he has been mm-hmm. to Atlanta two years in a row. But uh, if he doesn't get to 500 this year, you got to wonder if he'll make it uh, for another year down there in Gainesville. So very interesting development this week with the death threat comments that McIlwain talked about but then did not expound upon. And that has led to a lot more questions than answers this week. Uh, interesting uh, sidebar going into the cocktail party today, 3.30 kick for Georgia and Florida. So, Wes, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I felt like Carolina might have done that a little bit going into the Kentucky game, you know, chance to get ranked and, and get off to a, a really good start uh, with Kentucky coming to Columbia for the first home game of the season weeks ago. And Carolina lost that game, and it's been a long road back to, a, you know, a solid 5-2 and two record here. But – uh, if they can take care of business today against Vanderbilt, West, that Georgia game really looms large next week. Uh, you know, you can't afford to look ahead. Obviously, that's something you and I can do, and the fans can do a little bit, but the team cannot do that. Yeah, I think this is game. This game is all about the culture of the program. This game is all about the mindset. I don't know, Emerson, frankly, if South Carolina was ready for the moment against Kentucky. That game got built up to be a Super Bowl, the blackout. You know, first home game of the season. Um, you know, to start the year 3-0, and and South Carolina wasn't ready for the moment. I, I think they did not perform well. They did not execute. And this is a team, frankly, that has executed for the most part um, fairly well this year, at least compared to what was expected of them. Obviously, the Gamecocks are favored in this game, Emerson, but it's easy to forget. Uh, I mean, let's go back. Underdog against NC State. Underdog against Missouri. Obviously, they were favored against Kentucky and lost. Um, but, uh, were a favorite against La Tech and barely won that game, but then were an underdog against Texas A&M. They were actually an underdog uh, for some reason against Arkansas, yep. and they were an underdog uh, to Tennessee as well, even as bad as Tennessee has been. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think you look at what they've done, they've, they've really thrived in that underdog role. Um, they That's the complete reverse. Their record is a complete reverse, basically, of, of whether they were a favorite or not. Um, you know, they were only favored in two games, yet they've only lost two games. So I, I think that says a lot. But I, I think we're going to – each week we learn something about this team, I think. I learned a lot about them against Arkansas because we said that was a swing game. Then, you know what, we turned around and we said the Tennessee game is a swing game too because it is. Uh, you know what, Vanderbilt game, Emerson, it's a swing game. <laughs> so uh, I, I think uh, I think every game the rest of the way might be a swing game. But – I think we're going to learn something about the mindset of this program. Uh, they they can't they can't have been filling themselves too much here in this bye week because if they do, Vanderbilt's going to come out and punch them in the mouth, and Shermer's going to throw for a couple touchdowns, and they're going to be in trouble early. But um, you know, I, I'm very very curious to see how it plays out, and I'm ready that I'm glad some football has returned as far as Gamecocks go because it was just weird not having them on last week yeah Vandy's hard to get a handle on right now you know Kyle Shermer their quarterback 14 touchdown passes and just two interceptions this year so a tremendous touchdown to interception ratio Ralph Webb has had some good games against the Gamecocks in recent years but uh, Vandy just has really struggled to compete with the teams that have uh, that they faced in the SEC so far so you got to believe Vandy is coming into Columbia today ready to play and trying to save a little bit of face on this season that has quickly gotten away from them with the four straight losses in conference play. So, you know, i got to believe Andy's ready to play today. Pride game for them, and they're going to play well for themselves, for their school, and for their head coach, Derek Mason. So, 
Tell you what, Wes, let's go ahead and join uh, Chris Clark right now. Chris Clark's going to come in, and we're going to talk with him about today's ball game. So without any further ado, we will welcome in Chris Clark, Gamecock Insider from Gamecock Central. Chris Clark joining us now on the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. Chris, I caught your podcast that you did with Chris Lee on the VandySports.com website earlier this week, and I really enjoyed your comments about uh, – just the season that the Gamecocks have had and what a credit it is to Will Muschamp and the Gamecock staff and the players on the team for keeping it together this year. You know, Carolina's 5-2 and two despite the injuries, 3-2 and two in the league and, you know, still have at least a glimmer of hope in the SEC East. I don't think anybody would have thought that would be possible. No, no doubt about it. I mean, it's, it's been a team that's uh, certainly you talk about teams, uh, you know, facing, <clears throat> you know, adversity and that's something that they've, they've done. You know, uh, pretty consistently, you know, whether it was early in the season, you lose Debo Samuel. And on top of that, Emerson lose a football game to Kentucky that was, you know, a difficult pill to swallow. It was a big recruiting weekend. It was the first home game of the year, a night game. Everybody's really excited. You lose your best offensive threat and the game. And it was really just a deflator. And it was something that really could have affected the rest of the season. But they all went back to work. Um, you know, they had a, they had a loss against Texas A&M on the road that while A&M's probably a better team, it's a tough place to play. They were in position to win that game, and Will Muschamp described it as a very hurt locker room after. But they've responded. You know, they plugged in some guys. There have been many guys that have made contributions that we, quite frankly, didn't expect to make contributions, you know, or, or as heavy of contributions coming into this season. Um, and they've been able to find a way to win. So sitting at 5-2 and two is a good thing. Um, they're about to hit a stretch, which I guess very difficult games uh, in November, uh, but have a chance to to build on what they did last season and build on what they've done this season. Chris, I'm somewhat concerned. You know, I feel like uh, Vanderbilt could be due to play a better ball game, and uh, things just have <laughs> yeah. not gone their way. You know, the last month, and uh, they're coming off the bye week, so a chance to kind of regroup. And uh, what do you think we'll see today? Well, and that's a good question. I mean, with with both of these teams, we've sort of seen a couple different versions, right? <laughs> we've seen a Vanderbilt team that early in the season, I think they gave Vanderbilt fans some hope with how they were playing. Now they beat Kansas State. You go, wow, it's sort of impressive. Kansas State is not what we thought they would be early in the season, just like, say, South Carolina beating Missouri, handling Missouri is not what we thought maybe early this season. Um, and, and so they, they both had some struggles, you know, offensively. Vanderbilt, I think maybe the more surprising thing for them is, is, their defensive struggles. I mean, they, they got walloped at Alabama 59 to nothing. And after that, it looks like they were shattered a bit in terms of confidence. I mean, they haven't really been able to stop anybody. Ole Miss ran the ball on them really well in their last game, and Ole Miss can't really run the ball on anyone. So they got significant concerns. But that said, you know, I think South Carolina's ability to score or inability to score consistently against many teams is a concern for them too the defense is playing well keeping them in ball games and they're finding a way for the most part but they're going to have to find a way to create some more explosion and score some more points on offense Derek mason's a good defensive coach um and and maybe you know maybe they'll play better uh this week but it is certainly an opportunity in a winnable ball game for the gamecocks Chris, we appreciate your work uh, here on Gamecock Central. I enjoy listening to you on the radio, and we love having you on the Gamecock Central radio podcast as well. Thanks very much, man. Appreciate it, Emerson. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Chris Clark, our Gamecock insider on GamecockCentral.com. All right, thanks very much, uh, Chris. Uh, Wes, excited about the ball game today because the Gamecocks are really in great shape right now, 5-2, and two, and uh, if they can play 60 minutes of solid football today, avoid the mistakes, don't turn the football over, Carolina is going to have a very good chance to be 6-2 and two going to Athens next week, and that game will have SEC East championship implications. You know, Georgia's obviously still very much in the driver's seat, depending on what happens in the cocktail party today. But the Gamecocks, you know, if they could go to Athens and somehow pull an upset, they'll still have a chance to win the East. West, that's a hell of a thing, man. I would not have thought that would be the case uh, given the Gamecocks' injuries this year. And I just really respect the way the Gamecocks have held it together this year. Yeah, I think just just the fact that we can have that conversation um, <laughs> right. is a sign, Emerson. Right. You know, I, I – I made the comment, I guess, a couple of years ago, or I had the thought that, you know, for a stretch there, it seemed like every single week on ESPN College Game Day, which, you know, so if you want to buy the current state of ESPN, to me, College Game Day is still one of my favorite pieces of programming each week. Um, the premier college football show, you look at that show, 
and South Carolina would be one of the feature games they talked about every single week. Um, now, you win some of those, you lose some of those. In the grand scheme, it, it's about publicity and the fact people are talking about your program. There's a stretch there where South Carolina was then no longer even mentioned on the show. They weren't even one of the games that got picked because they're struggling so bad. So just the, the signs of progress are and, – and you know what, man? Fans don't like to talk about it, Emerson, but look at look at your cousins to the north in Clemson. And they, they didn't build that thing overnight. They started by winning more games than they lost. Then they started by getting to the championship game and getting to the big bowl game but losing it. Then they started to win the big ball game and win the ACC championship. Then they got to the national title but lost the national title. And then they won the national title last year. And, uh, you know, I, I hope people aren't throwing up with me bringing that to their minds right now. But point being, you have to take a step. It's not going to be overnight. It's got to be step by step. For South Carolina, recruits see progress when the wind total is going up. Recruit process when you make the conversation about your division. Then the next step is to win the thing. So I think that you look at you look at the East and you look at South Carolina's opportunity to win the East potentially. Are they going to do so this year? Probably not. But the step is to get in the conversation. Then the step is to get to go to Atlanta. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, you know, the Gamecocks obviously have to handle Vanderbilt today or all this becomes a moot point. Muschamp knows that and the players know that. So first things first for South Carolina. West. let's go to the Gamecock Central hotline here. we got one phone call today, and we're going to hear from uh, Roy from Greenville. And we appreciate everybody getting involved with the Gamecock Central hotline this year. we still got a chance for you to call the hotline, and we'll play a recording of your voice on a future edition of Gamecock Central Radio. The number is 803-497-9058. 497-9058. Roy from Greenville joining us on the Gamecock Central Game Day Podcast. Hey, guys. This is Roy from Greenville. I just got a question to get your guys' input. What is the deal, and I know just a fan just uh, making own judgment, but what is the deal when it's third and short or fourth and short always going shotgun? That gives the defensive line time to penetrate. Why are we not going under center or you know, something like that, or quarterback sneak. What's your opinion on that? Thanks. Thanks for the phone call, Roy. Wes, what do you think about shotgun in uh, short yardage situations for the Gamecocks? Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things that, you know, fans hate across America, and uh, but you see it ac- across America. And, you know, I've actually asked a number of coaches about this, and the, the main answer seems to be that um, if you run an offense that, you're in the shotgun most of the time, and you're most comfortable in the shotgun. And, you know your staple plays are in the shotgun. Then you want to, especially in the situations where you, uh, you know, need positive yards the most. You want to do the stuff you're most comfortable with. Um, now we we've seen South Carolina go under center a bit, especially ever since that Kentucky game where they struggled uh, to pick up short yardage. And and I think they've had mixed results with that. You know, to me, under center and shotgun is really more about do you block or not. It's not really about um, necessarily where the ball is snapped because uh, a lot of people I've heard make the argument about, well, if you're in shotgun, you have to run five more yards than you do otherwise. That, that's not the case at all. The, the line of scrimmage is still the same. You know, if you hand the football off to a running back under center, your quarterback is still running backwards to hand the football off in the backfield. Um, you know, shotgun, your quarterback's standing where he catches the pitch, stepping a little bit, and then handing you know, hand the ball off. So, you know, I, I think it's sort of a little bit overblown. Now, I, I do think to his credit, or to his point, I, I love the quarterback sneak. I, I think when it's inches, then that's the best play in football. And if you go under center, that gives you that option. And I, I think South Carolina can maybe look to that a bit more because if it's inches, your quarterback doesn't even have to – it doesn't have to be designed which way he can go. He can almost just look where there's no defender and find that little gap. Um, you know, the best quarterbacks in the NFL do that week in, week out, I think. So, you know, I, I think you'd like to see that in the 
in the playbook. But I, you know what? I've, I've liked what South Carolina's done the last two weeks on third, fourth, and short because they have added in the play-action game quite a bit. Uh, we saw them use the play-action uh, to, to Jacob August for a first down on third and short. We saw them hit Kiel Pollard on third and short. Um, we saw them hit the inside zone for about, I think it was maybe eight yards or so to Von Dixon on the third and short against Tennessee. So, to me, when you mix things up on third and short versus just trying to pound the football inside, that, that's when you have success. So, I, I wouldn't say it's any one thing they have to do where it's like under center versus shotgun. I think they have to continue to do what they did last week, or two weeks ago, I should say, against Tennessee which is mix things up on third and short. All right, that's a good question, Roy. Thanks for joining us on the Gamecock Central Hotline, 497-9058. We want to hear from you, and we will play a recording of your voice on an upcoming edition of Gamecock Central Radio. Let's get keys to victory today first for the Vanderbilt Commodores, and we will hear from Chris Lee from VandySports.com. He's the publisher of our Rivals Network partner with Vanderbilt. It's VandySports.com, and this is Chris Lee with Vanderbilt's Keys to Victory. Well, first key to victory is, as you see across most evenly matched football games, and Vegas certainly seems to think this one is at, I think, around six to seven points. I don't know that I would agree with that, but those guys know a lot more football than I know. I think Vanderbilt has got to come up plus in the turnover margin, which they have been really good in terms of turnovers this year. They have not turned it over much. Now, they've not gained as many as I think they hope to, but they've got a positive number there on the season. I think to come out of Columbia with a win, that's got to continue. I think that – I won't say that they can't win without running the ball because I think Kyle Shermer has been really good. But I do think that running game would, would help them. And They got Ralph Webb going at Ole Miss. That defense was a lot worse than Carolina's. But I think if they get that going, that certainly helps. The third thing is they've just got to show up and tackle better on defense. They've gotten whipped at the line of scrimmage. Their linebackers sometimes are out of position. At some point – it's almost been a thing where their defense can't play a whole lot worse. I think if they just have some sort of reversion to the defense we saw the first three weeks, maybe not all the way there. I don't, I don't think they're going to go into Carolina and, and give up four points and 195 yards like they were giving up before. But I think if they can be some something closer to that defense and the one that's given up about 50 points a game the last four weeks, they've got a chance. But I think that all boils down to confidence and We've just got to see it come back for them. Well, we haven't seen that in over a month now. Chris Lee from VandySports.com with the Commodores Keys to Victory. We'll now send it over to Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central staff writer for South Carolina's Keys to Victory. So South Carolina has won the last eight games against Vanderbilt. Uh, it's always been a close matchup. Um, I think it's something similar this week. Vanderbilt's got a really good running attack with Ralph Webb. they got some decent skill players, and um, their quarterback can throw the ball. They've fallen on some hard times. But I think if South Carolina... Um, can come out and you know get to the quarterback like they've been doing. I think it's going to make Vanderbilt a a one dimensional team with Ralph Webb, and then I think um, that then they can start blitzing a little bit more and stacking the box to to stop the run. And obviously on the offensive side of the ball, um, they have to continue to run the ball. The offensive line has to continue to play well, uh, like they have been over the past two games. Um, so if they really, you, if they want to win this game, you're going to see a heavy dose of Tyson Williams, and you're going to see a heavy dose of AJ Turner, and you're going to see a heavy dose of Mon Denson, um, because that means they're going to control the clock and be able to, you know, run the ball and uh, move down the field pretty effectively. And that usually opens up uh, passing lanes for uh, Jake Bentley if they can run the ball effectively. So if they stop the run, and they, it's, it's, I feel like we say it every week, but if they stop the run and they run the ball effectively, then they're going to be able to win this game. That's Colin Taylor, staff writer for Gamecock Central, giving us Gamecock keys to victory. West, we are ready for a four o'clock kickoff today. Chance for the Gamecocks to get to six and two overall and four and two in the league. Man, this is a big game today. Yeah, big game. It should be fun. Uh, you know, Emerson, I, I go back to South Carolina's focuses during the bye week. Can they uh, can they score touchdowns in the red zone? Can they convert third downs? Can they get off the field on third downs defensively? When they've struggled, it, it's come to those those things right there. So. When you spend a whole week working on that, I think that's what you look at in the next game. And then me personally, I'm curious to see what offensive changes we see from South Carolina today. You always tweak, you erase some things, you add some things. I would expect both teams, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, to have some tweaks and some surprises for the other off the bye week this week. So it uh, should be a fun game at williams Bryce Stadium. All right, good show today, Wes. We appreciate you joining us, man. Good to have you today. We'll look forward to doing it again next Saturday. Thank you. Sounds like a plan, man. 
All right, that's Wes Mitchell, and I'm Emerson Phillips. I want to send along our thanks to Chris Clark, also to Colin Taylor, and Chris Lee from VandySports.com. And we thank you for joining us for Gamecock Central's Game Day Podcast. Enjoy the ball game today, friends. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.